Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. As I mentioned a couple minutes ago, we're going to do something a little bit different in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. Uh, Kids to Kids Christmas. Uh, Of course, this is something that we've been involved with here for 14 years. This year's toy drive is kind of winding down. Tomorrow, uh, my show is going to originate from Albrecht Century in Delafield. We've been there years and years, for years and years now. You can see it from you know I-94 as you're heading towards Madison. And, and that's, of course, an opportunity to, for people in that part of our listening area to stop by. We will have our street theme there. People will be collecting toys that will then... Make sure it get distributed to disadvantaged kids to make their holiday season a little bit brighter. But I know one of the things that lots of times people will come up and they'll say is we'd really like to participate, but you know, we, we just we don't think about going out and actually buying the toy and then you know having to you know go over to one of the toy drop offs. Don't get me wrong, lots of people do a twenty six thousand toys last year. But what we will also do is, you know, we take money. I, I've said that, because then we have elves who go out and actually buy toys. And so today for from 2 until 3 o'clock, we're going to be having a number of Santa's elves here at WTMJ. We're going to do a radiothon just for that one hour. We'll have a special phone number that you can call to make a cash donation. And then what we will do is between now and, and Saturday, people will actually run out. They will buy toys. So it is your chance to participate, and I would consider it a personal favor if you could you know, check back in during the 2 o'clock hour of the program and make an extremely generous donation. All right, one of the things we're... I I have avoided talking about this because I, I don't want to sow any more confusion than necessary. But um, our, our number, our call-in number is at the moment 414-799-1620. That number is changing on Monday. I'm not going to give you the new number. That, that at this point in time, we'll worry about that come Monday. number of people have said, what, what's going on and, and why is it changing? It is because... In the simplest form, the, the the technology, these old 799 numbers, they're no longer supported by the phone company. It's just it, it is sim- as simple as that. So this is moving us into the 21st century. And believe me, this is not something that anybody undertakes lightly. It's just simply the fact that, I don't know, it's just old technology that uses these various numbers and We've just made the collective decision that we, it's time to, to make that change. So we will be making that change Monday. More explanation. Don't have to worry about it until Monday, though. All right. Lots of ground to cover on today's program. Let's get started. Fascinating story in today's Journal Sentinel. And I want to I want to get your input on this. All right. Here's the deal. It involves a woman. She is now deceased. Now deceased. 78 years old and a few months ago 
she goes in to she goes into the DMV in West Bend, which, by the way, is pretty nice, pretty nice DMV. I go there a lot because it tends not to be as busy as some of the others. But she goes into the DMV in West Bend and she's walking on a cane. Apparently, um, she had had double knee replacement years earlier and and needed the cane to walk. Now, I think there's also some other medical issues going on. For example, like I say, she passed away. Um, She passed away a few months ago. The Journal Sentinel says her obituary makes a point of saying that she suffered a stroke near retirement that, quote, gave her many challenges as years went on. All right. Don't know what those challenges were, but clearly the lady has some health issues. So June 11th of 2018, she goes into renew her driver's license at the West Bend DMV. All right, the West, and she's she's got a she's got a cane. All right, she had gone to the optometrist beforehand, and apparently her eyes were fine, so she didn't need glasses for driving, but she needed this cane to walk. When she gets there, the DMV worker walk, worker says, look, but before, but before I can give you a license, I need you to walk across the lobby without your cane. All right. Her husband, who's with her, objects and asks the examiner how walking without her cane related to his wife's license renewal. The examiner says, look, she, she's, she's got to show me that she can walk without the cane. She gets up without her cane, starts to try to walk across the, the floor, falls and breaks her wrist. All right. So she can't walk across the, the room without the cane. The examiner says, look, I, I'm not I'm not going to renew your driver's license and gives her a form saying she would need a general medical examination due to, it says, due to the fall at the DMV plus confusion before she could renew. So that worker is saying, you, you got to go, you got to go get checked up, checked out before you can renew your license. She ends up uh, passing away four months later. So this all becomes academic. The woman's estate has now filed a lawsuit against the examiner um, and I presumably the, the DMV alleging that they behaved with indif- uh, deliberate indifference to her, that would be the lady's wife, um, the, 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 the lady who ended up dying. Um, and the argument is making applicants who use canes or other personal mobility devices like crutches demonstrate they can walk without the device as a condition of getting a license, violates the Americans with Disabilities Act, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they file, the estate files this lawsuit. Now, it's interesting because to give you the full background, I decided to go pull up the law on, on this and, and look at the rules of the Wisconsin Department of Transportation. And, and the rules say... That the DMV, well, here's what it says. Driving is complex. In order to maintain a license in the state of Wisconsin, a driver must be functionally able to operate, to safely operate a motor vehicle. A driver's physical, mental, and emotional health are important factors in assessing this functional ability to drive. Health problems can affect the skill and judgment required to drive safely. The DMV has a responsibility to evaluate drivers with potentially debilitating health issues to ensure that the driver's license in the state are safe to operate vehicles. So, and then it goes on to say that, you know, the the DMV essentially has the right 
to try to determine, you know, whether something somebody might have an impaired response or reaction time. And to ensure roadway safety, DMV may review a driver's medical condition as part of licensing, and they may require a driver to provide a medical examination report. Okay, so then there's also the driving with a disability section of this, which says that, uh, again, that the DMV can can require essentially a doctor's checkup to determine whether you can safely operate a vehicle. So let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The lady's had a double knee replacement. She's walking with a cane. I don't know if there's other issues going on beyond that or not. The DMV guy says, I need to see if you can walk without the cane. She can't. She falls. She breaks her wrist. That is an unfortunate thing. And then they deny her the the driver's license unless and until she goes and gets a medical evaluation that says she's okay to drive. All right. Did the DMV, in your opinion, screw up? And I don't want to get into like the nuances of the law, but was this an unreasonable position, in your opinion, for the examiner to take? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll come. I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we'll discuss in just a moment. But was this unreasonable? 78-year-old lady, she's got a cane. He says, I, I want to see you walk without the cane. She can't. And then as a result, he says, okay, you need to get a, you need to get a medical examination before we renew your license. Was she unfairly discriminated against? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Connie in Portage. Hi, Connie. Hi. What do you think? I, I'm just shocked to hear this. I'm a nurse. I cannot believe that a man took away her cane when she's had double knee surgery. I think he should be sued. She had every right to drive. I think it's the most horrible thing I've heard. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Does the DMV have an interest in making sure that somebody is physically able to operate a motor vehicle before they get behind the wheel? I don't think they should make that judgment. I really don't. I think her doctor would have told her she can't. Okay, well, all. well, I mean, I guess that that would be that that would be my question. If instead of asking her to walk without the cane, that was awful. If, if the doctor, if the DMV guy would have said, "Look, um, double knee replacement." It appears that, you know, you need this cane. I want you, before we're going to issue you a new license, we want you to go and get a certificate from your doctor saying that you're capable of operating a motor vehicle. Would that have been reasonable? No. No? No. No, I don't think so. There's I I play cards all the time with people who've had knee replacements, sure. hip replacements. They all drive. I think that is uh, an invasion of privacy. I don't think he had any right to do anything he did. So the doctor, so if somebody comes in, and, and let's say for the sake of argument that there, because of the double knee replacement and whatever other medical health issues are going along, they're, they're, they're not mobile. You just, you, you, don't, you don't think the DMV should be doing any sort of checking at all? And so you That's just issue a, a license? Story. This lady was mobile. Well, she had a cane. She, she needed the cane, yeah. That people are immobile. But she That's needed the different. cane. Apparently, she needed the cane to to move. You don't oh, think? Sure. Yeah, you don't think the doctor. You don't think they should have even put, putting aside the question of making her walk. You don't think they even had the right to say we we want you to get a medical evaluation. I do not think they had that right. Okay, thanks for the call four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Now the law 
does give the DMV the right, the way I read the law at least, if they've got questions and concerns about whether or not somebody's medical condition might make them unable to operate a motor vehicle safely, the law does appear to give them the discretion to say, hey, you, you need to get you, you need to get a checkup. Um, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to John in Dousman. John, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, uh, actually, I was kind of appalled as well with the previous caller that they uh, that they actually made her walk without her cane. And mm-hmm. I was saying before, my wife actually has an artificial leg, and she went through a DUI checkpoint and was tested, and they made her balance on her artificial leg, which <laughs> she cannot do. She got cited. I mean, she actually had to go to, had to, go to court about this. Mm-hmm. So it kind of hit home a little bit with me on that. And, you know, one thing that I, I would say from listening to the previous caller there, there's no way that 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 worker should have made her do it without her cane. Should have right. just said, you know what, we need you to go to the doctor and have that because I, you know, right. I mean, heck, the lady falls, breaks her wrist. But right. So let, let me ask you this: Do you think if, uh, and again, I don't know. Like I said, we we don't know if there were other things going on. Like saying the lady's obituary, which is four months later, it says that she had other health issues, you know, as well. But it, if if the, the, the DMV guy, she shows up to, to get her license renewed and there is a concern about her mobility and they ask her, hey, can you walk without the cane? And she says, no, I can't. In that circumstance, would you have thought it would have been unreasonable if he said, look, you, you, you've got to go get checked out by your doctor. This is the form we need your doctor to fill out and we're not going to renew your license until then. If he had done, I don't know if it was a he or she at the DMV. If the DMV worker had done that, would that have been reasonable? I think that would have been reasonable, taking the cane away, not reasonable at all. Right. Okay. Now, thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. Actually, that was kind of my reaction to this, and we're going to take more calls, but but hear me out on this. I, I think... Now, I don't know the circumstance behind this. If the if the DMV worker had said, ma'am, you know, are you able to walk without a cane? And she said, yes, I can walk without a cane. I don't know that that happened. And then she wasn't able to. That would be one thing. I guess my reaction was, if... I think the Department of Motor Vehicles has an interest and and I think has the legal right to make sure that the people that they are issuing licenses to are physically able to drive. Now, I'm not suggesting that somebody who's had knee replacement or double knee replacement or walks with a cane is automatically unable to drive. I'm not suggesting that at, at all. But I guess at the same time, I don't think it's unreasonable to say, Hey, you know, if there's quest concerns about mobility and, you know, in, in your ability to operate a, a motor vehicle, can you can you move your foot from your leg from the foot to the brake? Things like that. I don't think it's unreasonable to say if, you know, all right, you, you need to get this medical form filled out. Now, making her walk is, to me, a different sort of story. 414-799-1620. Back with more calls in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. Sue at West Bend. Hi, Sue. Hi. Um, I agree with that they shouldn't have taken her cane away, but I think they do need to enforce some things. They gave my mother a driver's license, and she was legally blind. And she basically finessed her way through the eye exam at the DMV. Now, it wasn't West Bend, it was in New Berlin, but I just think there needs to be some other type of 
uh, yeah. Your too. Right. I guess, thanks for calling. So we're getting a little bit of background. I guess that, that's it. Do I think that she should have automatically been denied a driver's license? No. But obviously there was something going on here. And obviously the lady couldn't walk without having having a cane. Okay, now that doesn't mean automatically that she's not able to drive. But at the same time, if she's not mobile, if she can't really appreciably move her legs, I, I you know, I, I think do do we want somebody that that can't do that just driving without certain restrictions or something? And I would argue, I, I the the answer is we we don't know one way or the other. Which is why I think it would have been perfectly appropriate for the worker to have said. Look, um, I, I've got some concerns about whether you're going to be able to operate this car. And before I give you a driver's license here, I, I need you to go see the doctor. I think that would have been reasonable. Why you asked her to walk across the floor if, in fact, that happened. You know, maybe, again, the conversation was, ma'am, you know, can you walk without the cane? Oh, yeah, I can walk without the cane. And it turned out that she, she, she couldn't. I don't think you should be requiring the lady to walk without the cane as a condition of getting her license. But if you do have concerns, I guess I'd like to see that the DMV workers be a little bit more proactive in, in doing this. Saying, OK, well, you know, I, we've got some concerns about this. Maybe they're unfounded, but you need to go back to a doctor and you need to have this form filled out. Let the doctor evaluate you. I don't think that's unreasonable. Ken on the Northwest Side. Ken, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, long-time listener. Thanks for calling, my friend. What do you think? Uh, I work maintenance second shift in the nursing home, and they should have had a gate belt around her and someone who was certified in nursing mm-hmm. or CNA to help her. If she's walking, Started, right, walking without the cane. Right, right, because when they walk the residence, for, you know, for exercise and stuff, they have someone behind the resident with a wheelchair, and someone's got a hold of the gate belt. Mm-hmm. Always. Right. And they violated her safety, her age, and disability rights. Do you think it was unreasonable? Okay, do you think it would have been unreasonable to say, hey, I, I, we before we issue you the license, we, we'd like to have you evaluated to buy a doctor to make sure you can safely op- operate a car? Would that have been unreasonable? No. No, and they could have things posted, yeah. and also have brochures there to educate people. Yeah, no, right, exactly. No, thanks. I see. I guess that's where I come down on it. I, I don't know enough facts to to make a, a candid discussion about. See, I, I don't know what it was that led to the worker saying, "Okay, you you got to walk without the cane," which I mean, I admit it does kind of raise red flags to me. I do think, however, it's perfectly appropriate for somebody at the DMV if you've got concerns about whether somebody is physically able to operate a car. And and again, double hip replacement, double knee replacement. Yeah, pe- people can, you know, people can drive. Uh, people can drive. But maybe, you know, this is a different situation where if you're if you're not mobile at all and you can't move your legs or whatever, okay, well, then maybe before you issue a license, you want to have certain restrictions on the license saying you need a certain type of vehicle or whatever. I don't fault the DMV worker, based on what I know, for asking for, look, you need to have that doctor's examination. I don't think that you make her walk without a cane, though, to prove that if that is, in fact, what happened. I'll continue to keep you posted on this. But, I mean, too often we hear these stories about people renewing their driver's licenses and and getting a driver's license for eight years when they're really not able to operate a motor vehicle safely. Now, in most of those cases, it's because of hearing or eyesight or or whatever. This little bit of a different situation, but I, I, I don't. 
I, I want the DMV, as a matter of safety for all of us, I want them erring on the side of caution if they have questions about whether people are physically able to operate a vehicle safely. And I guess my opinion would be when in doubt, for whatever reason, all right, send them off with the doctor's form and have the doctor make that call. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Want to cheer on the green and gold but don't have a radio handy? Well, grab your computer and stream every Packers game at WTMJ.com. Wayne and Larry call every play for the 2019 Green Bay Packers. Go to WTMJ.com on your computer to stream every game live. Hey, when you are on your computer, check out my Twitter feed. It's at JeffWagner620. I, I have I posted something. It's it's an amazing photograph. Um, last Last night... We went to dinner with some friends, new friends for me, old friends for my wife, Fran, very nice couple, our our friends, Kathy and Don. And I I had heard that Don was a model train enthusiast and and because he'd been featured on, I I know he'd been featured on some public broadcasting things and stuff for the train layout that he had in his basement, but I have never seen it before. So before we... We went to the restaurant we ended up going to. We went over to their place because I, I, I really wanted to see the layout. Went down into the basement. And if, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. Th- this picture doesn't really even begin to do justice to how cool this layout is. But you can see me and Don in, in his basement and at least a portion of the guy's train layout. And I say a portion because... It covers the entire basement, and it probably goes on for twice as long as is depicted in the particular photo. He has been a model train enthusiast since he was a child a number of years ago, and and he's got the most amazing train layout that I've ever seen. He belongs to this model train club, and apparently he says three or four times a year, everybody comes over to his house. It takes 10 people to operate this train set, this train layout, because you need people switching the tracks and stuff. It's the most amazing thing I've seen. And here's the the, the coolest part that isn't depicted on the photograph, but the, these various, he's got various towns. They are authentic Wisconsin towns circa the 1950s. And so like like he might have Hurley and he's got a section on the thing that is like how Hurley looked, how the Hurley train situation looked, how the tracks looked and stuff and what was around the like downtown Hurley in 1950s. He, he's gone to that detail. This is something, again, that he's been working on for over 50 years. It It's just absolutely incredible and i i was you know they they turned on some of the things and they ran some of the trains for me and stuff and and again it's it's this amazing thing you could have well if you grew up with model trains and and what what little boy and what little girl doesn't love model trains you you could spend hours and hours down there it's one of the most amazing things i've ever seen we've got a photograph of the two of us in the basement and like i say it doesn't really even do it justice because if it looks like a really cool extensive layout it goes on and on and on the photo doesn't do it justice but it's this it's this incredibly cool thing <laughs> i just i i just i've been waiting to see this and i was not disappointed at all if you follow me on twitter at jeff wagner 620 you can see that particular photograph. All right. I am a free market guy. And by that, I mean, I I never, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with making money. 
I, I don't. And I'm a big supply and demand guy. By that, I mean the typically how much money you get paid is dependent on you know what you are worth. That that's that that's the basic thing. If if you have if you have a skill or an ability that is very much in demand or that very very few people have, I, I think you know you and you deserve to be rewarded for that particular skill, right? And that's and similarly the flip side is if you're doing something that that doesn't that pretty much anybody can do you got to understand that you know you're going to be paid accordingly so that's i'm not one of these guys who gets all worked up when they say oh that this the ceo made x amount of dollars because presumably that ceo has some degree of training and skill and experience that makes his or her talents worth whatever that dollar amount is that they are being paid. All right, so that's my general philosophy. But there's always kind of an asterisk that comes with some of this. I turn to the world of sports. If you hadn't seen this, Garrett Cole, who is a Major League Baseball pitcher, last year he pitched for the Houston Astros. He is arguably one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. I don't know the best, but one of the best. He signed, he was a free agent. He signed a contract yesterday with the New York Yankees. It is a nine-year contract worth $324 million. $324 million. So, that's more than what thirty-five million dollars per per year. If I, I was trying to break this out, let's assume that he stays healthy for nine years. And what's he? I think he's like twenty-nine years old. He's twenty-nine years old right now. So the chances of him staying healthy and pitching every possible game over the next nine years is, is probably slim to none. But let's assume that for nine years he was able to make. 30 starts a year, which would be, you know, good for a starting pitcher. 30 starts a year, nine years. Okay, that's 270 starts. Probably best case scenario. All right. At that rate, he is going to be paid well over a million dollars a game. Well over a million dollars a start. Well over. It's actually like 1.125 million or something like that for every start that he makes. Now, it's, again, we, we live in this, this world of free enterprise, and, you know, kudos to him that the Yankees were willing to spend this money, and kudos to his agent that he was willing to get it. But you look at some of the amount of money that they're throwing around. Manny Machado, last year he signed with the San Diego Padres, 10-year, $300 million contract. Steven Strasburg just re-signed with the Nationals two days ago, $245 million over seven years. Again, you know, he's going to be making $30-plus million a year as well. Um, really, really what you would call stupid money. I mean, by, by any stretch of the imagination. Now, I bring this up because... Even as a free market guy and believing, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with, with making money. At some point in time, you get to where where you get to a situation where there is what I would describe as as a bubble, where the prices and the amount of money that is being paid to people in a particular industry or a particular thing just gets so nuts that the folks who are paying the freight 
ultimately in this case, it's not the New York Yankees. It's the fans of the New York Yankees, and it's the TV and the broadcast rights and all that. They're the ones that ultimately end up paying for this. And you get to a point where the salaries and the payments get so out of whack in relation to what it is that people are getting that there ends up essentially people get turned off. Our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I I don't fault Garrett Cole. If the New York Yankees are willing to give this guy over a million dollars for every game that he pitches, I mean, you'd be a fool to turn that down. I, I understand that. If the other teams are willing to give just stupid, crazy money for people to play the game of baseball, all right, I don't fault the players for turning it down. At the same time, though, when you know you consider real people in the real world, at a certain point, do these salaries get so absolutely nuts that baseball fans, football fans, basketball fans simply say that this this is crazy, and you know we're not going to pay added ticket prices, or networks say we're not going to continue to contribute more and more money for TV rights contracts. Are, are we seeing a bubble, or can these salaries just continue to grow to the sky? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I will tell you this. I think, I think we are dangerously close, and I say dangerously because it's not the end of the world one way or the other, but I, I think these various professional sports teams that continue to shell out these enormous amounts of money, I think... I think there's going to be a reckoning at some point in time, and they're going to come to recognize that the fan bases simply aren't going to support these type of payments. I don't, again, begrudge Garrett Cole for taking all the money, but really from a perspective of people who buy the $10 beers when you go to the games and who buy the you know in inflated programs and who buy the, the tickets and things like that that end up underwriting these type of things, do you reach a point where you say enough is enough? We just simply can't support ticket prices going through the roof or beer prices going through the roof to pay $324 million for one player over nine years. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. Jeff, problem I have is that Yankee fans funded $1.2 billion for that new stadium. Oh, absolutely. That that would be a thing. I mean, this is another one of these arguments. Even though I believe that sports teams, for example, add value to a community, it, it is tough when you say, okay, how can you go to the taxpayers and say, okay, we want you to contribute you know, $1.2 billion for a new stadium. At the same time, you can shell out this kind of money to a player. Jeff, my hope would be that this player becomes the Tony Mandrich of the Green Bay Packers. I'd like to see New York pay that kind of money for nine years. Well, okay, um, could be. Jeff, great topic. Teach your kid how to pitch or kick a football. Seems better than the stock market. Well, there's it. Jeff, I'm already there. I'm not going to feed the beast that gives a guy 30 million to play every five days i'll watch on tv but with diminishing interest now that see that that's kind of the reality and and right now 
and it doesn't matter what the sports franchise is. What what you see is, is you have growing TV re- revenues. You have fans that are willing to shell out more and more for tickets and the $10 beers and to buy the jerseys. And that's all well and good. But at some point in time, you know, trees don't go to the, the sky. Now, part of the reason I think that fuels this is that right now you are seeing what I think is an unprecedented growth in in not even if it's not necessarily revenue it's a growth in value of franchises for example let's talk about the brewers when mark otnazio's group bought the brewers in 2004 they paid what's the number 223 million dollars right the the most recent estimate from last year is that the franchise is now worth 1.175 billion dollars. That's a growth. That's that's five times return on investment. Five times over the course of 14 or 15 years. That's a really really good investment. So it, it's not like these these teams are impoverished. It's not like teams can't reach out and shell out big money because their worth has gone up. And, you know, some of these teams sometimes will say, well, you know, we, we have this problem with the payroll and we can't make money for this or we lost money. Well, yes and no. I mean, it's kind of like saying I, I, I paid $8,000 to paint my house last year, so I'm out $8,000. But if your house went up in value seventy five dollars or $100,000, that eight that 8000 you paid to paint it, well, you're, you're still way ahead of the game. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Larry in Milwaukee. Larry, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Larry. Um, you know, part, part of the problem is, and I think you said it well, as long as you have a totally free market, uh, people are going to take what they can get. That's normal, and I can't argue with that. Right. I, I don't fault him. If somebody said, Jeff, we're going to pay you $3 million to do your radio show, you know, you, you I, it, absolutely right. You might okay. say, it's no way that guy's worth it, yeah. but yeah, if you want to give me $3 million, I'll <laughs> give it $3 million if Mr. Wexler and Mr. Carmerson are listening. Yeah. yeah. The only way, though, you stop it is you go back to what we had in the 50s and 60s. We're on the top income bracket, which then was, I think, about 400000 Today, that's probably five, six, seven million. We had a 91.5% federal tax rate on, and it put a cap. So it really made no sense to make more money than that. Yeah, you kind of had a disincentive because the government took nine, nine, nine cents out of, 90 cents out of every dollar that you won. Yeah, that right, you had. And, and then the state took their share. Here's my question. At some point in time, because obviously the, the teams, now the teams, like I say, the, the, the value of these franchises is growing. So you know, year-to-year profit or loss, I don't know that that makes that much difference. But at some point in time, is there going to be a fan backlash where you simply, fans simply say, hey, we, we can't, we're, we're tired of the $12 beers. You know, we're, we're tired of the $6 hot dogs, and, and we're, we're just not going to show up anymore. Uh, I, you know, I just don't see that happening. I've heard that for years and years. And I've watched the prices go up. Right. Uh, you know, if I go to a Bucks game or if I go to a baseball game and watch the Brewers, or even I go out to uh, a Badger game where now, if you're a season ticket holder, essentially, since they put the surcharge on season tickets, they doubled the price. Places still pack. Yeah. No, it, it, right. So far, we clearly haven't hit that point. Now, the TV ratings for a lot of the stuff is starting to soften, but but you're right for, especially for, you know, popular teams. Now, thanks to the call, you're, for, especially for popular teams, there's still just an incredible demand that's out there. Doug on the east side. Doug, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Uh, thanks for taking the call. Hi, yeah, Doug. Just following up on the, on the point that, uh, you know, taxpayers funded the stadium, 
uh, boy, that, that creates that philosophical dilemma. And then how much of, of this money that uh, Cole is receiving is, is he going to pay tax on? What should be his you know, tax rate uh, after you know, his second $100 million? Oh, you mean you're talking about the Brewers owner, Mark Atanasio, you mean? Not Cole. Not, yeah, but right. But anybody. Yeah. Right. There. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's right. At some point in time. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these these franchises. No, thanks. I mean, see, that that is that's the reality. I mean, right now, what's happening is the value of franchises are just just going through the, the roof. Um, you saw that. I mean, one of the classic examples is you were talking about Herb Cole is is the Bucks. Um now, at least, you know, in the Bucks case, the owners paid for half of the cost of the new arena. But um, let's see. Here's the numbers I have. Forbes estimate the value of the Bucks is now $1.35 billion. This ownership group purchased the team for $450 million in 2014. $450 million, Now it's worth $1.35 billion. I mean, it, it's been incredible. It's been an incredible growth over the last five years, and it, it's allowed them to put money back into the team and do things like that. I'm not complaining about that. I'm just saying at some point in time, are we going to reach a point where we, we end up saying, gee, the it, it's just too expensive now, and the, the whole salary scale has gotten out of control. I, I do say this, that I, I'm not too sympathetic to some of these teams that plead poverty and say, well, we, we can't compete for this free agent or that free agent when you look at the value of the franchise and how that's increased. So I'm, I'm less sympathetic about that. But you do look at something and say, they're going to pay this guy over a million dollars, assuming that that's a million dollars per game assuming that, that he can pitch 30 games a year for the next nine years, which is probably not that likely to begin with. In any event, this is the world of sports right now, so you know, keep getting used to those $12 beers. It doesn't look like it's going to change at all. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Okay, a quick reminder. We're doing something different. The 2 o'clock hour of today's program, we're going to be as part of the program. There'll be regular programming as well. But we're going to have a number of Santa's elves here at the station, including some children. They are going to be hopefully answering your calls and accepting your donations as we wind down the 2019 Kids to Kids Christmas campaign. Now, what we ask you to do typically is to go out, buy toys, drop them off at a number of our different toy donation sites throughout the area. Um, matter of fact, tomorrow I'm taking my show, and Wisconsin Afternoon Show is going to be on the road as well. We're going to be out at Albrecht Century in Delafield. That's been a mainstay and a regular stop for us over the years, and we encourage people to come by and drop off toys. But I understand that sometimes people say, well, we'd like to participate, we'd like to help out, but, you know, you're, it's just we're, it's not convenient for us, or, you know, we, we don't go to toy stores or whatever – well, that's okay. We will take money. And during the two o'clock hour, we are going to be actively soliciting your donations. Like I say, we'll have a gro- whole group of people here. I'll give you the phone number at two o'clock. I could give it to you now, but nobody's going to write it down. You know, so be, be listening sometime between the two and three o'clock hour. If you can find it in your heart to make a donation, $10, $25, $50. I'll tell you what that gets for kids in need. $100 will take more as well. But again, anything. 
anything would be extremely helpful. That's during the 2 o'clock hour of today's program. Now, to that point, I got an email from one of our regular listener, a text from one of our regular listeners, Jeff, who uh, he, he said, um, he just showed me, he got a basketball. For example, this is, this is the amazing generosity of our listeners. Got a basketball. In this case, it's signed by Milwaukee Bucks, Pat Connaughton and DJ Wilson, and uh, he donated it to the Kids to Kids Drop-Off Center. How cool is that? I mean, an autographed Bucks basketball. Speaking of the bucks tonight's game if you want to wonder if you ever wonder what drives the nba well the, the answer is clear tonight's game Gru, do you know what time this game starts tonight it's like 8 30 8 30 right it is a milwaukee game it is an 8 30 start they're playing the new orleans pelicans now you might say okay why are they why is why is this happening well uh, again th- th- this is the nba They don't care about the fans that are in the stands. Okay, it's a school night. It's 8.30, so that means the game probably ends around 11 o'clock. Normally the games start at 7 o'clock on weeknights, 7.30 um, on on weekends. This is, it's 8.30. We don't care how inconvenient it is for the fans because... Well, it's part of a national del. This is, it's all about TV. ESPN is going to televise this game. So, all right, we're we're going to have it at eight thirty at night. Why? Why was this game part of a national TV thing? Well, because number one pick in the NBA draft, Zion Williamson, the guy from Duke, he 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 was drafted by New Orleans. Now he's been injured, so I, I think when they were making up the schedule, they thought, oh, this is going to be this great game. You're going to have the number one draft pick, and then you're going to have the Bucks, who are arguably the best team in the league. This will be a great matchup. Well, Williamson's been hurt since preseason. The Pelicans are kind of a hot mess without him. So the lusters come off the game. But, I mean, it's it's an 8.30 game. And I understand getting national exposure, and that's cool. And I don't have tickets, so it's not my my beef. But I, I will tell you, if I if I had tickets and I see it's an 8.30 game, which means it ends at 10.30, maybe 11, by the time I get out and get home, it's already like midnight and all, I'd be saying, okay, thank you to the NBA for that piece of scheduling. All right, let us switch gears. Last week... There was the shooting on the military base down in Pensacola, Florida, the Naval Air Station in Pensacola, Florida. The guy who did it was a Saudi national, member of the Saudi military, who had come into this country in 2017 and had been here for the better part of of three years. Why was he here? Well, he was a member of the Saudi military. Now, we we sell all sorts of arms and things like that to Saudi Arabia and to other places, all right? So along with selling all these arms and things like that, what we, this would be the United States, what we agree to do is we agree to train people as to how to use it. So, hey, we're, we're going to sell you a plane. Well, it doesn't do us any good to sell you a plane, military plane, if the, the people in your country don't know how to fly it. So what we do is we allow people to come into this country for the purpose of training. And in this case, the guy who was the shooter had been here since 2017. The estimates right now are that there are 852 Saudis currently in the U.S. undergoing training that's paid for by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, right, um, as part of the, these weapons deals. The Department of Defense says they believe total there's about 5,200 
quote-unquote foreigners from 153 different countries that are in the U.S. for what they call security cooperation training, which again is we're selling you all sorts of stuff. You can send your people into the country to learn how to do this. All right, well, here's, here is the problem behind all this. The vetting process as to who comes into this country, what's the word I'm looking for? It stinks. <laughs> it, it just stinks because apparently there, there's no standard on this. We rely on foreign partners. In, in the case of the shooter last week, it's Saudi Arabia to do the bulk of the work when it comes to vetting the people who are coming into this country. We also rely on them to share the results. So the idea is, okay, Saudi Arabia, for example, you know, you want to send 200 people into this country to train. All right, you do the background checks on them, and then you report it to us, and we're going to accept this. Some countries, I guess, do a very, very vigorous vetting process. Others, others don't. And now it's starting to come out that the gunman in the Florida shooting pairs that he had embraced this this radical anti-U.S. ideology several years before he arrived in the U.S. In other words, based on like Facebook postings and social media postings and things of the like, I mean, we we allowed a radicalized guy into this country and allowed him to set up shop at a military base for years. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I think what needs to happen, and what needs to happen like yesterday, is I think there needs to be an immediate moratorium on people, foreign nationals, coming into this country for military training until we can get an idea and standardize our, our vetting process so we know who it is that's coming into this country. I am not suggesting that 50% or 70% or even 10% of the people that are coming into this country for this military training or whatever, I'm not suggesting they're terrorists. But at the same time, we don't know. And if we're depending on these other countries to make that determination, we, we, we have created a security loophole that you could drive a truck through. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, I, we really haven't learned anything since 9-11. Who, who perpetrated 9-11? Well, it was, you know, terrorists that came into this country on student visas to learn how to fly airplanes. In many cases, they stayed here beyond their student visas, just kind of disappeared into the framework of the country until they show up flying planes into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. In this particular case, you have rad appears to be a radicalized guy who was never really vetted by the United States, who came in, took up residency at some military base, uh, behaved in a fashion that should have set off all sorts of red flags, and now we have people dead. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Seems to me that, like, starting right now, we, we need to... You need to put a hold on these programs. No new people into this country until we can figure out and standardize 
the background checks of the people that are coming in. Am I missing something? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We need to start doing this like, you know, ASAP. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. 414-799-1620. Before we go to the phone calls, let's take a couple texts. Jeff, I'm in the process of getting my wife from the Philippines, and even she has to go through an extensive background check. I think... Military personnel from foreign countries should, too. Yeah. Jeff, I think it's ridiculous that we train anybody from other countries and feel we offer up way too information at times to the general public. Things need to be more secure and tight-lipped to protect everyone in the United States. Look, so, I mean, I, I understand the basic concept of this. You know, you're, you're going to buy a plane from us. Well, all right, you're going to spend however much money that plane is going to cost. You need us to provide some of your people training so they learn how to fly it. Okay, I don't guess I don't have a problem with that. But at the same time, all right, you send us anybody you want and you vet them and we're going to accept this. That's just absolutely nuts. I mean, nuts. And you see the result of that when apparently you have this Saudi national who was radicalized, or at least that's what some of the reports suggest, radicalized even before he came here now you're starting to see all this behavior and he was clearly radicalized while he was here he's here for three years too i mean how long does it take to train for goodness sakes he's here for three years and now you have americans that are dead let's start with mark in kenosha mark you're on wtmj hey thanks for having me Jeff. hi mark what do you think I think that we absolutely do need to do more to vet the people that are coming in, uh, especially in cases like this. However, I think that we'd be remiss to, to not point out the fact that we have far greater casualties due to domestic uh, yeah. mass shooters and or yeah. other events like this. So, yes, we do need to do more uh, to vet the people coming in from outside the country that are radicalized. But we can't forget about the fact that far greater casualties, including since 9-11, have been done by domestic terrorists and or mass shooters, far greater than any amount that has, has come from people coming from outside the country. Yeah, after 9-11. Yeah, ex- exactly. And I guess that's, and I'm, I'm what I, my remarks, Mark, I'm not trying to dismiss or poo-poo the fact that I think we need to be much more vigilant when it comes to identifying those domestic terrorists. It's just, I guess I was just stunned when I found out that, you know, we really we really don't check anybody. You know, okay, we're selling planes to the Saudis, and, you know, they send us 800 people, and we really don't vet any of those 800 people. And I'm not saying they're all terrorists. I'm not even implying that. But this guy certainly was, and he's been knocking around this country for three years. Yeah, we, we shouldn't be letting people do that. So I think I think overall, we just, as a broad general sense, both foreign and domestic, we need to be vetting people and doing more background checks and similar for, for both foreign and domestic. I think that would save a lot of American lives. Couldn't, dis- couldn't agree more. Hey, Mark, are you a golfer or do you know a golfer? I do. All right. Let me give you, I have my friends out in Germantown who run this wonderful simulator thing. It's called Sticks. I've got a $25 gift certificate to give away to Sticks Golf. How about you take it from me today? That's my gift to you, oh, well, okay? Thank you so much. I love that. Thank you are you. very welcome. Okay, we're going to put you on hold, and Gru will get the information. That is the, uh, it's actually, it's a it's a wonderful place, and the, the guys that run it are great. Um, what we will do is every day between now and um, I, I think the end of next week, we're going to be giving away $25 gift certificates to Sticks 
Golf. It's a virtual reality golf bar. I go there all the time, and I have an absolute and total blast. Uh, I'm playing in one of their leagues this year. So we call it the uh, 12 Days of Sticksmas, and we're giving that away as well. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that the terrorism is a problem. And I understand that we have all these, and he's clearly correct, that the vast majority of instances you have are are this domestic, the, the homegrown terrorists, and, and that's to be expected. At the same time, to simply allow people to knock around this country without being properly vetted. And I mean, I guess I don't care where they come from, but if you're coming from, again, if you're coming from Saudi Arabia, for example, where, you know, we have a, I, I understand on the one hand, we have, a, we, we sell them lots of weapons and stuff, and President Trump has encouraged a real positive relationship. I, I get it, but still, you got to understand there's all sorts of people throughout this world that just absolutely hate us, and before we just accept them willy-nilly, seems to me we want to know who we're accepting. 414-799-1620, back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Hey, are you ready for one of Wisconsin's best golf experiences? Our friends at Sticks Golf Bar in Germantown is your perfect golf getaway, especially when it's too cold to hit the course like today. From now until December 23rd, tune into my program from noon to 3. One caller designated by me every day is going to have an opportunity to win a $25 gift card to Sticks, which, again, is a virtual reality golf bar in Germantown. I absolutely love it. I'm playing one. My brother and I are playing their winter golf league, and uh, we go out there on occasion, and it's really a very, very nice experience. You should check it out. It's Jeff Wagner's 12 Days of Sticksmas. Keep listening for your chance to win. We gave away the gift certificate for today, but... All right, there is always tomorrow. All right, here's the deal. You know they say there's no such thing as a free lunch. Well, um, yes, maybe yes, maybe no. Well, I don't know about a free lunch, but there's certainly free library books in Wauwatosa. Here is the deal. Wauwatosa Public Library has announced that they are no longer going to collect overdue fines for children's library materials. Change went into effect on Monday. The change also means that existing overdue fines on children's library materials are being waived. So let me explain what this means. You can take stuff out from the kid's library, and you essentially don't have to bring it back. There is no penalty, or at least no financial penalty, for not bringing the stuff back. The library will still issue overdue fines for other materials outside of the children's library. They estimate that this is going to cost about $36,000, an increase in the property tax, the average homeowner of $1.54 per year. So, I mean, okay, it's not so much that your property taxes are going to go up $1.54 because you're no longer going to be collecting fines. The question becomes to me, all right, is is this is this really, you know, what public libraries are are for? Now, I understand they say, well, we want to improve access to the library and we don't want people to be blocked from taking out stuff simply because they have unpaid fines. All right. My question would be, aren't we all about trying to teach people to be responsible? And if the rule is all right, here, you, you, you take something out because when you take out a book, you're taking it out. And that means that some other kid, some other child isn't going to have access to that book. 
Well, if that's the case, don't we have a right in saying, because you're going to be denying access to somebody, you know, we, we, want, we want you to return it. If you're supposed to return it after a week or 10 days or two weeks or whatever, or renew it or whatever, don't we have an interest in, I don't know, penalizing you if you don't do that? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, this, this is a trend. You have more and more public libraries who are are doing this. And the American Library Association, apparently, they've passed a resolution that said monetary fines present an economic barrier to access of library materials and services. Well, it does, but only to the extent that it is encouraging people to try to be responsible. You get rid of the fines, and you've also gotten rid of responsibility. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it time to do away with, and I mean, I guess my question for Wauwatosa would be, why do we, if, if this is a good idea, if we're concerned that we're limiting access of people by fining them when they don't behave responsibly, you know, why would we limit this to to children's books? Shouldn't we just simply say, hey, take out the library materials whenever you want, don't worry about the fines. Keep them for as long as you want. Bring them back when you feel like it, and that'll be fine. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think that, you know, I mean, I understand that in today's day and age, we don't want to do anything that holds people responsible or requires people to behave in a responsible fashion or punishes people when they don't behave in a responsible fashion. But but seriously, when it is a public library, the resources at the public library are paid for largely by the taxpayers, by the general public. If somebody comes and takes out an item and decides that they're going to not return it, they're not going to follow the rules, don't we have an interest in saying, okay, there's going to be a penalty for this? And if that means... That, you know, you, you, first of all, we want you to return the thing in a timely fashion when you're supposed to. And if you don't return it in a timely fashion, there's going to be a fine. And if you don't pay the fine, yeah, you're not going to be able to check out other books. What's wrong with that? I mean, seriously, what's wrong with that? 414-799-1620. And if you don't have those penalties, what's to stop somebody from essentially treating the public library like you would, I don't know, treat Barnes and Noble or something. Hey, I'm, you know, Barnes and Noble, you got to pay for the book. Now the public library, hey, you take it out, you know, keep it as long as you want. Don't worry. There's not going to be any penalty. 414-799-1620. I swear it makes no sense to me. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620, at least for a couple more days. Danny in West Dallas. Danny, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Okay, they're doing away with the library fines. Is that a good idea? Uh, well, <laughs> I'd like to say yes because I used to pay a small fortune in fines. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I'm going well, to let you make your point, but let me just, why, why didn't you take the books back when they were due? Well, I'll be, I'll be honest. Back then, I was a lot less responsible than I am now. Okay. Uh, I actually don't think it's a good idea whatsoever. Uh, the only reason I think they're doing it 
is because nobody goes to the library anymore. You've got the internet. Yeah, well, you, um, you know, I, I will tell you something, Danny. I, I have a friend who works in a, a library around here, and, and she says it's exact. She says the library is packed. You have it's amazing. You have people that are coming all the time, in part because they're using the internet. You've got all these different internet stations that are set up. I I don't know if libraries aren't getting a lot of business. Well, I think the only reason, I mean, a kid, yes, you can always drop off your kid at the library, and they can find books to read and things to do for you know months. Um, as an adult. I think the only reason that you would go to the library, really, for books, is because you're cheap, too cheap to buy them. Well, I, I mean, thanks. I, see, I don't know. I mean, I, I think what my friend would say uh, is that, like all sorts of people, come in, and it's not a question of being too cheap. It's a question of, hey, you know, if, if you want the book or you want – they do a big – I, I think lots of times people check out DVDs and things of the like. It's like, okay, if you want to watch a movie, for example, you can check it out from the library as opposed to dropping whatever it is, 15 or $20 on a DVR to get the DVD or whatever. I mean, no, I, I don't – I, I'm like, get, I don't know because it's only anecdotal because I, I know I have one friend who works at one library in this area, and she tells me that they're just always swamped. I, I look, I get the idea is we 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 don't want to limit access, but when what at what point did we stop saying that we need to encourage some degree of responsibility? One of the texters says, "Well, gee, I I think that we should stop giving speeding tickets because we don't want to limit access to the roadways." That that's a perfect. An analogy of this, and what happened with teaching people to be responsible. Remember, there, there used to be this thing called blockbuster video. I understand if you are of a certain age, you have no idea of which I speak. But it, blockbuster video was a license to print money. They rented, first of all, they rented movies on videotape, the VHS tapes. And, and you know, you couldn't get, I think, it, I think the movies came out like on Thursdays or something, as I recall. You couldn't get near a blockbuster video on the night that the new movies came out because everybody wanted to have them. Okay, but here was, here was the deal. Because there was such a demand for these things and there was a limited number of movies, well, you know, you, you had to, let's say you rented it on Thursday, you had to have it returned by Sunday night or whatever. And you could always go over, it was due by like midnight on Sunday night, and you could always go over to the place and it was always packed again the outside the drop-off box was always packed like between 11 and 12 on Sundays because people were rushing to get the movies back why were they rushing to get the movies back because there was a big fine that was attached to being late why did Blockbuster have the fine that was attached to being late because they knew that if there wasn't a penalty that it was associated with this people would procrastinate, people would delay, people would prioritize it, people wouldn't bring the movies back. And when they didn't bring the movies back, that meant Blockbuster couldn't rent that movie to to somebody else. So Blockbuster, first of all, the fines were a way of generating extra revenue, no question about it, but it was also a way of getting the item back so they could turn around and they could rent it to somebody else. By either for either reason, or, or actually because of both reasons, it made sense. It, it was a fiscally prudent thing to do. Plus, it encouraged people to be responsible. My question would be: If it was good enough for Blockbuster Video in the eighties and nineties, you know, why isn't it good enough for public libraries? Why is there something special about public libraries? Because they are underwritten by the taxpayers. That we don't need to encourage people to. Be responsible. We don't need to encourage people to do the right thing. And what about the folks? 
who, for example, you know, want to check out whatever whatever book or whatever DVD or whatever it is, you know, whatever you wanted. Okay, you can't get it because somebody else is too unattentive or lazy or whatever to bring the thing back in a timely fashion. How is that fair to everybody else? And to me, this is an issue that's way beyond the fact that it's going to cost taxpayers in Wal- in uh, Wauwatosa thirty six grand. Okay, that. That's a factor in and of itself, but but that's not the key factor. It's why have we gotten to a point where we want to promote irresponsibility? Because that's what it is. We're, we're just saying, okay, no penalty for being irresponsible. And I don't understand why we would do that. Yes, does it mean that if you got an unpaid fine, that might limit your access to checking out future stuff? Sure, but maybe it should. Maybe that should limit your ability to check out future stuff because it tells you, take the stuff that you've gotten and turn it in in a timely fashion. Dennis in Milwaukee. Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Dennis. Um, I'm against what Wauwatosa is doing. I think they should keep the fine. Uh, When I was growing up in the 1950s, the penalty for uh, a late return was a penny a day. And every once in a while, I would bring in the books late, and I might have to pay seven cents or eight cents. You're dating yourself, Dennis. You I, realize that. <laughs> okay. What, what was worse than the fine was having the librarian yep. give me a, a lecture. Now, what I can see Wauwatosa doing is, let, let's just say the fine uh, for an uh, overdue book is $2. I, I can see when the youngster brings that in, cutting it in half. Yep. Because, again, the worst part is having to face the librarian with a a late book. Sure, yeah, if if you want to give them some discretion or something like that, I I find. But but by saying there's going to be no penalty for not bringing a book or a DVD or whatever back in a timely fashion, you're just essentially encouraging them, oh, don't worry about it, keep it as long as you want, which means... Again, you're you're operating really like a bookstore. Why would you do that? Why would any public entity do that? Yeah, no, I agree with you. No, thanks for call. I mean, again, it's it's it's. I, I understand sometimes when people say it's it's not the money, it's the principle. In this case, to me, it is the money, but it's also that larger principle. Uh, Jason and Sheboygan text Jeff by not charging any late fees, they're essentially limiting access to a non-returned book for everybody else. I believe this move would actually lower the attendance because if you were going to have so many more books that are not returned in a timely fashion. Well, yeah, that's that's a that's a factor. I mean, what whatever happened to deadlines? I mean, is that what are we teaching? And sometimes I understand you've got the larger lessons that are there. But but what are we teaching people when we say, okay, we, we put in a deadline and then we say it doesn't matter. Right. If your boss says when you're a grown up, you need to. You need to have this done by noon on Friday. And you just decide, well, gee, my entire life I've been told I don't have to bring back library books and I don't have to turn in. What's the schools that are out there that don't um, that that don't penalize you for turning in, you know, your assignments late? Well, yeah, I knew the assignment was due by noon, but I didn't turn it in. It was due in September 15th at 12 noon. I turned it in December and I still got, you know, almost all the credit. What what is going to happen when you finally reach that point where the boss says, hey, I, I need this. These calls have to be done. This has to be done. This report has to be in by noon. And you say, well, I know that was the deadline, but I've never really had to deal with these deadlines. How about how about I get it to you, oh, December 14th, boss? Well, the boss isn't going to like that. But how can we expect people to be held accountable if we don't 
hold them accountable. It starts with the little stuff. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Getting a lot of response. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I, Last night, I was at a friend's house. I was in his basement. I'd never seen this before. He's got what I think it's the largest model train set up that I have ever seen in my life. We have a picture of it up. It doesn't really even do justice to how big it is because it only covers part of the basement. And the really cool thing about Don's setup is that it, and he's been doing this since he was a a boy, so we're talking decades, is that it, it's modeled after different Wisconsin towns. There'll be Hurley, there'll be Sheboygan, etc. And it, it's all period authentic. It's incredible if you want to see it, especially if you're a model train enthusiast. But everybody loves trains. Check it out. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. In addition, I want to say a very, I want to say happy birthday to my friend Gary. I no longer put tin, I no longer put my aluminum cans in the recycling bin anymore because because of Gary. Gary is my buddy who collects these things, and then what he does is he, he takes them over wherever you take them, and they crush them. So I am not allowed to put, like, Diet Coke cans or beer cans or anything. I'm not allowed to put them in the recycling bin. I have to put them in a special bag that then, you know, once we get two or three bags full, Fran takes them over to Gary, and Gary does whatever he does with them. So you you got to hide that in the garage. That thing gets stinky, right? Well, no, I mean, it's, just, it's empty diet. You just, they're empty diet Coke cans and stuff. No, I mean, it's, and, and you know, we, we, we fill, it's amazing how many cans you go through uh, of between beer cans and diet Coke cans and stuff. And it's actually great. I mean, it's, it's like Christmas. Every time, every time you go over there, you got a couple of these bags and Gary's great. And he goes down the basement and he crushes them. So happy birthday, happy birthday, Gary, who's also a listener. Okay. I, I've been talking about this all day. Um, we are this hour. Just till 3 o'clock, we are doing a kids-to-kids Christmas radiothon. Now, everybody knows how our kids-to-kids Christmas campaign works. We've been doing this for 14 years. We encourage you to go out and buy a new toy or toys and then drop them off at one of our numerous locations that we have around the area. And then what happens is our friends at Capco, together with all the volunteers, put them all together. We have a big event at Capco. It is this Saturday, as a matter of fact. And then after that, the kid, the toys get distributed to needy kids. It's it's just been amazing to watch how this has grown. 26,000 toys collected over last year alone, and we're hoping to top that this year. Well, what happens is sometimes people will come up and say, Jeff, we really want to participate in this, but you know, we, we're just, we're, it's not convenient for us to go buy toys and then figure out how to drop them off and things like that. We'd like to do something. Well, we, we've got you covered because we have a number of Santa's elves and what they will do for people, you know, we're, we're, we can collect cash. And then what the elves will do is they will go out and they will purchase toys. I mean, that's the deal. We're, we're not, we're not pocketing the money or something. We're using the money that is contributed. People will go out and they will buy toys. And so what we're going to be doing for the next 50 minutes or so, we have number of people from Capco, including Santa's Elves and a number of people from WTMJ who are upstairs in our special room, and we are soliciting cash donations. Now, here is the phone number to call. It's not our normal number. This is the phone number, 414-967-5417, 414 
967-5417. And that's going to ring upstairs and somebody affiliated with Kids to Kids Christmas will answer that and, you know, have your credit card ready. We will take, you know, we'll take your information and we'll take the donations. 414-967-5417. And to give you an idea, I mean, here, $10 donation buys, I'm just looking at some of the examples, buys like a kid's backpack and like a coloring set, 25 bucks, buys a little kid's scooter and a basketball and a doll, 50 bucks, buys a couple board games and a skateboard and a little motorized car, 100 bucks, buys some headphones and a little kid's bike and like a Barbie car and a teddy bear. So it, it doesn't matter, $10, $25, $50, $100, doesn't matter more than that. We would be delighted to accept as well. But this is an opportunity for everybody to participate. Kids to Kids Christmas. The phone number, once again, is 414-967-5417. 414-967-5417. And to give you an idea about how strongly both myself and, and my wife, Fran, we, you know, even before we got together, she used to go out to the, the Capco event that they have, the, the final event on Sunday, on Saturday. It's going to be Saturday this year and, and take, you know, her kids and her grandkids out there just so you can really get a feel of the sense of giving to underscore how strongly we feel about this. We want to start it off. And on behalf of the Wagner family, we're going to kick in 250 bucks. So that gets it started. We're donating $250. And as soon as I get a chance, I'll go up there and give them my credit card information. But $250 from us gets it started. But again, whatever. We would appreciate it. The number to call, 414-967-5417. It's our Kids to Kids Christmas Christmas Radiothon. Back with more in just a moment. Attention WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Once again, our Kids to Kids Christmas Radiothon going on right now, 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock. The phone number to call with the donation, 414-967-5417. Eric Bilstadt, he's up in Kids to Kids Christmas Radiothon Central. Hi, Eric. Yes. Hello, sir. Yes, it is underway. 414-967-5417. The Capco Kids to Kids Christmas. Essentially what we're trying to do, Jeff, I mean... This isn't a, a, something new to WTMJ. We've been doing this for years, this idea of kids getting toys and then giving them to other kids. It's that whole kids-to-kids idea. But obviously, it's not always that easy to be able to make some of that happen, and we know that there are some folks out there who want to pitch in, who want to help, and they want to be able to do that even if they can't get to one of our locations that we've been at or they can't get a toy and bring it on Saturday to Capco. So that's why we have this Radiothon going on until 3 o'clock. 414-967-5417 is the number. Cash donations are accepted, and they will use that money to purchase toys for kids in need. And it's really incredible. I was looking at some of the numbers here. So this is 14 years now we've been doing Kids to Kids. You know, Jonathan Green was doing it way back in the day. And it's grown from 1,000 toys to more than 26,000 toys every year. And the number of schools that are involved, more than 25 high school student leaders are part of this. And I think that's what's so remarkable is that when you think about this idea of kids to kids, you think, oh, yeah, there are some kids that are gathering some toys and maybe they're picking it out and then they bring it with mom and dad to Capco on Saturday and then they drop it off. But one of their initiatives has always been to 
help some of these kids learn how to be leaders and to grow and to help implement this program and help run this program year after year. And that's just one of the most amazing parts. Not only are you helping those in need, but you're also helping develop and grow kids at the same time. In fact, we have a couple of high school seniors in the room right now taking some of these phone calls. Reese and Tommy are here from Grafton High School, and all they want to do is talk to you right now. They're looking at their phones right now. Uh, 414-967-5417 is the phone number. Again, 414-967-5417. Online cash donations, they'll take it, whatever it is, 5 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it is. doesn't have to be a lot in order to find a gift for a kid in need. And one thing to point out, too, Oftentimes, Jeff, some of the questions we get are, is who, who is getting these toys? You know, where do they go? Well, primarily Salvation Army and United Way, they handle a lot of these uh, toys and how they're dispersed. But more than 30 other agencies are involved. Many nonprofits are involved. In fact, they have some new ones this year in Washington County, too. So it's not, you know, generally or geographically located to one spot. It's across the board, across southeast Wisconsin for those who are getting help and enjoying Christmas just like everyone should on December 25th. So 414-967-5417. Help a kid enjoy their Christmas morning. WTMJ Radio proudly presenting Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas. There's still time until 3 o'clock. Again, that number one more time for you, 414-967-5417. And make sure you say hi to Reese or Tommy if they answer the phone. Absolutely. Thank you so very much, Eric. And, again, it's... You know, well, anything helps. Again, I'm I'm looking at the list. You know, ten bucks, ten bucks is a coloring set, and it's a kid's backpack. Twenty five bucks is a basketball and a doll and a little scooter. Fifty bucks. Um, I mean, that's like a skateboard and it's a couple board games. Hundred dollars. Well, that gets you a little kid's bike and it gets you a set of you know, like play around earphones. And I'm just looking at all the different things that are there. Play fishing rod. Look, th- this is a great opportunity, and we appreciate anything. Because, again, um, we're kind of getting down to the end here, and we want to make sure that the kids, every dime we can possibly get goes to this wonderful cause. So the number, 414-967-5417, your ability to make a great donation. Let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Our Kids to Kids Christmas Radiothon, presented by WTMJ Radio, of course, and Capco rolls on. Eric Bilstadt, you're up where the phones are ringing. Yeah, and the phones are ringing, Jeff. We've already raised more than $1,300 since the phone bank began at 2 o'clock. We'd love to double that before we get out of here at 3 o'clock. And if you do call, 414-967-5417, make sure you say hi to... One of the kids answering the phones, Reese and Tommy, are here from Grafton High School. They're taking most of the calls, so make sure you bug them and say hello. Uh, joining me now uh, from Capco is Sarah Dunlop. Sarah, great event as always, and I'm amazed at how much this grows year after year after year. It does. 14 years, 205,000 toys later, um, dozens and dozens of agencies that we, mm-hmm. we work through and nonprofits, you know, thousands of volunteers over the years. Uh, last year, 26,000 toys alone, so we're we're hoping to push that. And, and I, I assume you will. I mean, there are people that come from all over the place to help with this. You have kids from, what, 25 different high schools that pitch in on this? High schools, elementary schools, middle schools, preschools. Um, yeah, it's, well, it is kids to kids teaching the spirit of giving. And, and not just at this time of year, but all throughout the year. 
414-967-5417 is the phone number. If you'd like to give a cash donation, online cash donation, of course, and we will use that money to help buy more toys. One thing I wanted to ask you about, a lot of people will wonder, where do these toys go? After they go to Capco on Saturday, there's that huge event that you guys have on Saturday, mm-hmm. which is unbelievable <laughs> to see all the toys all in one place. Where do they go from there? Sure. So Saturday, December 14th, 9 to 2 at Capco, thousands more toys come mm-hmm. in. Um, we, we hit that next goal, and as we shut down at 2 o'clock, probably about 100 volunteers come in and mobilize, and as quickly as those toys have come in over the past two weeks, they get the privilege of going through and taking the wish lists of children throughout southeastern Wisconsin and taking those toys, filling those wish lists, bagging them up with the agencies, the guests, um, everybody that's coming there to pick them up. Mm -hmm. The agencies later in the evening come and pick those toys up. The remainder of the toys go on literally two semis at least, and they go down to the Salvation Army here in Milwaukee and are serviced throughout that. So all literally throughout southeastern Wisconsin. And one of the most amazing parts of that day, that Christmas at Capco uh, coming up on the Saturdays, when you have all the first responders roll in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Zaki County first responders. We work with Captain Herman out of the Sheriff's Office, and he coordinates all of the departments, um, all first responders, rescue squads, fire, police, and we hear tell that there are 16 or 17 departments, over 25 vehicles that will be parked along Cheyenne Avenue, and then they walk their toys in, yeah. and it is so cool. Lights and it gives me goosebumps mm-hmm. to talk about it. Four one four nine six seven five four one seven. Of course, we always want the toys, but if a, if a donation, a monetary donation, is works out better for you, that's why we're here. Four one four nine six seven five four one seven. And I can't stress enough, Sarah, and I'm sure you have more to add on this. Is that it, it's the kids to kids. So you talk about how kids want to help other kids, but also the development. So not only are you helping children in need enjoy a Christmas this holiday season, but also the development of kids learning to give, learning to grow, learning to be leaders in the community. I mean, it's, that's twofold. And absolutely. And the two young men sitting here with us today answering the phones, Reese and Tommy, are prime examples of that. We have what we call our Student Leadership Committee, and there are five schools within Ozaki County. These kids start with us as early as September, and they plan all this. They show up at the Admirals game. They show up at the Radiothon. They show up at at Kids to Kids on Saturday. And it truly is that Kids to Kids giving, that spirit of giving. Um, We have what we call cookie distributors on Saturday. And it's little kids, three, four, five years old, that can balance a cookie tray. Maybe not three years old. But these little kids handing out cookies. So learning from the very beginning that you can make a difference Mm -hmm. in another person's life. That That is the goal. Sarah, thank you for what you're doing. You are making a difference. Thank you. And there go the numbers, 414-967-5417. There's uh, Tommy. Tommy's answering the phone right now. So it's funny. Tommy and Reese have been, been trying to act all cool, but whenever the phone rings, they get a little nervous up here, but that's the best part. 414-967-5417. Help us help children this holiday season. Help us at Capco. Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas. And if you can't donate today... Just remember, you can always come on Saturday to their big event in uh, Grafton on Saturday. Of course, Christmas at Capco is one of the best events of the year. And by the way, Jeff, before I throw it back to you, we should have mentioned Lewis from Iron Ridge called us, and he is matching your $250 donation in memory of his dad, Raleigh. So thank you, Lewis, for the donation. He's matching Jeff's. So that's 500 bucks right there between the two of you. Outstanding. Well, thank you, Lewis. And we've got another 20 minutes or so to, to go. Uh, we Again, this is most of this event is designed at getting people to donate toys. But again, we, we, we want to try to be as participatory as possible. And we understand that sometimes it's just 
you know, it's tough to get out or you don't think to get the toys and then think to make the drop off. But this is just one hour out of the, the day um, that we're going to set it up. And hopefully if you can find it in your heart, grab your credit card, make a call. We've got people there answering the phones. We're going to do this for another 20 minutes and people still keep texting me. Jeff, what is that number? It's 414 414- Nine six seven five four one seven. Let's keep Santa's elves busy. Four one four nine six seven five four one seven. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, two forty three. Another seventeen minutes for our radiothon. Four one four nine six seven five four one seven. Operators are standing by. All right, I think we're going to have a pretty nice number for Kids to Kids Christmas this year. Certainly hope so. Another 17 minutes to donate, 414-967-5417. Okay, I um I watch the Packers games in a number of different places. It kind of depends on the time of day and actually sometimes, you know, the day of the game. If it's, if it's a Thursday night game or a Monday night, I'm watching it at home. But I, one of my favorite places to watch it is kind of go to a little cocktail lounge. I, I call it a dive bar. I say that affectionately. The owner who passed away, the place I go to, who passed away a couple years ago, like a couple months ago, would come up to me and say, "You called my place a dive bar," and I'd say, "Well, look around, you know." I mean, but but I say that affectionately. Two dollar beers, people built bellied up to the bar, you know, and we lots of TVs. So I was there with my my very close friends, you know, Evan and Dick and Mike, and we're watching Evan Sundin. So we're, it's kind of a family affair. We're all there watching the game on on Saturday. And on Sunday against the Washington Redskins. And the Packers won. Take nothing away from that. They, they won the game, but it was kind of a dog of a game. I mean, the, the Redskins are not a good team. They, I, I think the Packers, the, the game, it seemed like they always had it under control. But at the same time, there weren't a lot of exciting plays. They weren't able to put it out of reach. And in all honesty, I mean, the Packers were like 13-point favorites. They won by five. Okay, so they won but but it wasn't this awe-inspiring game with all these these great plays. And so I, I admit that the spirit and the sentiment in the tavern was kind of, eh, okay, they, they won, but it was nothing special. And, you know, once they play a good team, they might be in a lot of trouble. So everybody walked out of the place. I'm just saying there, there wasn't wild cheering and applause like there is sometimes. There was just kind of, eh, okay, they, they, they took care of business. I bring this up because one of the stories that's percolating now is that some people with the Packers organization or some people um, in the area are kind of down on the Packers fans. And the Journal Sentinel, for example, had a story that it was just apparently it was really, really quiet at Lambeau Field on Sunday. Here's the way uh, the report uh, writes. The Packers and Coach Matt LaFleur have have campaigned this year for the crowd at Lambeau Field to get more involved in games, and their push was justifiable. Though most NFL stadiums are loud, Lambeau is among the least loud. And then it goes on to talk about, you know, crowd noise. Now, apparently on Sunday, now I was not at the game, I was watching it at this bar, but on Sunday it was extremely quiet, and apparently walking out of the game was kind of like walking out of the bar. It was like, okay, well, they, they won, but there wasn't any sort of vibe. There wasn't any sort of huge pulse. There wasn't a lot of excitement from the crowd. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, are Packers fans just becoming too quiet? Are they not supporting the team appropriately, or... Is this just a reflection of a team that, while it's winning, you know, isn't 
particularly exciting or is playing down to opponents or whatever. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, for one, don't if, – if Lambeau Field was quiet, it, it's not the fault of the Packers fans. The bar I was in was quiet, and it wasn't the fault of the people who were in the bar. Fans react to what's going on on the field. And again, I'm the Packers won. I'm not one of these guys who's, you know, jumping off the cliff or, or whatever. They, they won, but they did it in a workmanlike kind of unexciting fashion. And I, I don't think you can manufacture excitement. I go to lots of sporting events. I watch a lot of sporting events. I know when stuff is exciting and I know when it's not. All right, this was a workmanlike, non-exciting thing, but I don't think you can expect the fans to just artificially start cheering and going nuts. When there's a good play, all right, they're going to cheer. Exactly. But, you know, if you're going to be spending all sorts of time not able to convert on third downs and punting the ball away, okay, you you, you can't expect that the fans are going to be going bat crap crazy, can you? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is lining up the calls, and while he's doing that, let me remind you once again, don't want to confuse you with too many numbers, but the phone number for our Kids to Kids Radiothon, we've got about another 15 minutes, 414-967-5417. 414-967-5417. I don't fault the Packers fans at all. If Lambeau Field was quiet on Sunday. It's not a poor reflection on the fans. Give the fans stuff to cheer about, and I guarantee you they will go nuts. Let's start with Scott in Sheboygan. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey. What do you think? You know, the the game, I go to a lot of games. It was a boring game, and the bottom line is, yeah, the beer was flowing. Everybody was drinking like Rogers wanted. We were wanting to be loud, but they gave us nothing to cheer about. There's plenty of fun in the bars. So. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Got to got to let you go there. Yeah. Okay. But um. Yeah. So you were he was at the game. Yeah. I mean, again, there 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 was cheering. People were excited, and, and it was a good experience. But it it was a it was a boring game. They took care of business. I'm not criticizing the team at all. But you know, when you you if you want the fans to just get into it, you you got to make plays. You got to keep people excited. You you know, look at look at what's going on with the Milwaukee Bucks this year. By way of example, you know, you you watch those games, you listen to the games on the radio, you attend the games, and, and you see fans are really wrapped up into it. They're seeing this exciting, fun brand of of basketball, and. If you want the fans to be going nuts, well, you you got to give them the plays that make them go nuts. Let's talk to Kevin in Illinois. Kevin, you're on WTMJ. Kevin. Hi, this is Kevin. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Okay, should we fault the fans if they were quiet on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I no, I don't fault the fans at all. With all the talent, and I'm a season ticket holder, that the Packers have this year, they keep playing below their talent level. Mm-hmm. And when you beat a Washington team by five points, there's a problem there because that's one of the worst football teams in the league. Yeah, right. I mean, they you got to give you can't expect the fans to be you got to give fans at any sporting event, you got to give them something to cheer about. That's that's just the reality. And if they're not cheering, it's not because they're lousy fans. I mean, you had 75 plus thousand people that were at Lambeau. It becomes the team's role to get them excited, make plays, get them thrilled. 
Yeah, I was like you. I mean, I, w- I was at a bar watching it, and it's like uh, we didn't go up for that game. It's like it was like a whole home game. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm glad they won. Yeah, no, thanks. No, that's exactly that. That was that was kind of the reaction. Well, I'm glad they won, and I mean, and it's not like I mean, I I felt all along they were in control of the game. I think the final score was maybe a little bit closer than the game was, but it it's it's not like they made those exciting, breathtaking plays. Mark from Bristol sends me a text, Jeff. I was at the game, and collectively, from the people I was sitting with, we were expecting a much more action-packed game. I think if they played better against bad teams, the noise would reflect it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I agree. You, it's not, if Lambeau was quiet, it's not the fault of the fans. The fans showed up. It's not like you look at some of these NFL stadiums and you see that you know, a third of the people came dressed as empty seats. The place was packed. People were ready to explode. And again, the, the team won. Not taken away from them, but they didn't win in an exciting fashion. And if they were quiet, that's why. Jeremy and Racine. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Jeremy. I've been kind of like the same way in the last year, ever since San Fran game. When I, when I watched San Fran and seeing, to me, that was a litmus test to see how really good we are this year. And, and it took a lot of the win out of my sales. It really did. We, we got our butts handed pretty good in that game. Mm-hmm. And when we're thinking going further down the line through playoffs and what have you, I just can't see us going all the way this year. So we're kind of like, all right, we're going to get to the playoffs. We might get to the championship, but that's about as far as it's going to go. Yeah. So, so you think that kind of has that, that San Francisco game kind of had or it was a reality check and still has kind of a hangover for the team. I I, I believe so. Yeah. It, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty bad game on the Packers side. I mean, San Fran's a very good team. No, it was now, a decisive beatdown. I mean, there was no question. Yeah. At least on that night, San Francisco was a much better team. There's just oh, no yeah. question about it. Yeah. Maybe pretty good all year so far. So I mean, they're definitely living up to the hype that they they are, and they're kind of like the little quiet giant that. Uh, coming through the NFC there, but so, yeah, right. that's pretty much it. Yeah, no, thanks. Well, again, and I, I guess, look, see, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, if, if you were to ask me, and I don't, I don't do like the sports stuff that I'm just a fan. I don't have the expertise that the guys on ESPN have and stuff. So I'm just the guy that watches the game. I mean, I, I think the, the Packers, and I give them credit this year because keep in mind, last year they were six, nine, and one. And this year they're already 10 and three. You know, they're going to make the playoffs. I don't know how far they're going to go. And historically, the odds of a first year coach making the playoffs, it is very, those are very, very long odds. Now, most first year coaches don't have Aaron Rodgers, 36 years old or not, to, to play for them. But I mean, I think the Packers have had a very solid season. Do they strike me as being one of the NFL's elite? By elite, I mean top two or three? No. I think they're a better than average team, and I don't take anything away from them. But at the same time, when you turn in performances that are are dull, winning but dull, I don't think that you can expect the, the fans to be going just absolutely nuts. Okay, we're, we're winding now. We've got about another five, eight, ten minutes left in our Kids to Kids Radiothon, only doing it for one hour. This is kind of a quick hitter to try to encourage you to pull out your credit card, make a call, make a donation so we can buy kids uh, toys. People upstairs still answering the phones, 414-967-5417, 414-967-5417. Give us a call, make a donation, make some kids' holiday happy. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.